following message is presented by Erie Evangelical Free Church in Erie, Illinois. We are a church that exists for the good of our community and are proud to share the gospel of Jesus Christ as we seek to know him and make him known. In our house, we have a lot of games that we play. One of the most fun that, that we've really gotten into recently is just Chase and I. Um, and, and he's finally come to this point to where he really likes Nerf guns. And so we run around our house firing Nerf guns at each other just over and over and over and over again. Right, just running back and forth and running around the, the kitchen island and all kinds of stuff. It's a blast. It was so much fun. Here's the thing about Nerf guns and Nerf darts. I have been shot by, by Nerf darts thousands of times in my life, over the course of my life. I know that Nerf darts are really soft. And you can shoot, your, you can get shot point blank range with a Nerf gun, and it doesn't hurt. I know this. But when Chase comes running at me and gets too close with the Nerf gun, you know what I do? Like, don't, don't hit me. Oh, it's going to... I know it's not going to hurt, but there's something in my head that says, no, 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 flinch. No, 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 protect yourself. Don't let this hit you. Don't let this hurt you. Sometimes, no matter how well we know something, we will still doubt it when the decisive moment comes. We can manage a situation well. We can handle things properly. And then, Seemingly out of nowhere, it seems like we forget everything that we know for sure. When it comes to our faith and our trust in God, this happens as well, doesn't it? And so the question becomes, well, how, how, how do we stay faithful when the trials, when the struggles, with the disappointments, when maybe just the, the fatigue or, or boredom of life sets in today? Genesis 26, verses 1 through 11. We're going to jump back from Jacob and Esau and, and, and look now at, at Isaac's life. And in this story, Isaac is going to encounter a famine, which creates a deep need for, for him and for his family. And through this famine, God's going to offer two reminders Two reminders to Isaac of, of, of how God is going to carry him through the trial. How he's going to carry him through the famine. And these are the same two incredible reminders that we get to enjoy today in our lives and in our walk of faith. And the first reminder that we're going to see is this. We're going to see God's faithful provision. God's faithful provision. As we look at, at this chapter, chapter 26, we're going to see through it a number of parallels between Isaac and his father, Abraham. And, and what God is doing in giving us this story, what he's doing in showing us these, these, um, these parallels, is he's showing us that the promises he made to Abraham were not just for Abraham. They weren't just for Abraham's day. They were promises that were going to be passed down to Isaac, to Jacob, and, and to the original audience 
of the book of Genesis, the Israelites who were in the midst of the Exodus, leaving Egypt, wondering what was gonna come next. Where is God taking us? Where is God leading us? And God says, remember, I have been faithful. I was faithful to Abraham. And look, in the same way, I was faithful to Isaac. He's gonna reveal, he's gonna deepen their understanding of his faithfulness. And it starts in verses one through three here, Genesis 26, and and really one through the the first half of verse three, it says, um, there was another famine in the land in addition to the one that occurred in Abraham's time. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines at Gerar. The Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land that I tell you about. Stay in this land as an alien and I will be with you and bless you. Okay, stop right there. What's God doing here? He commands Isaac to stay where he's at, this land that's not his home. God says, you stay here and you obey me and I will take care of you. He says, if you'll obey me just as as your father Abraham did, then I'm gonna take care of you. Remember when God first made his promise to Abraham, he makes the promise. And then in the very next verse, in Genesis 12, verse four, it says, so Abram went as the Lord had told him. Abram, Abraham was faithful to the Lord, obeyed the Lord. And now God is giving Isaac this same kind of command. Stay here, stay in this land that I have put you. Do as I have told you, I'm gonna take care of you. He finishes this then in, the second half of verse three through verse six. He says, if you stay here, right, I will bless you. And then he goes on and says, for I will give all these lands to you and to your offspring. And I will confirm the oath that I swore to your father, Abraham. I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars in the sky. I will give your offspring all these lands and all the nations of earth will be blessed by your offspring because Abraham listened to me and kept my mandate, my commands, my statutes and my instructions. So Isaac settled in Gerar. See here, God reminds Isaac of this promise that he had made to Abraham. And if, you, if we go back to Genesis 12, where God first gives his promise to Abraham, you'll notice these, these, two, par- these two passages are, are nearly identical. So much of the language is exactly the same. In fact, Genesis 12, verse two and three says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Very similar to what he says to Isaac. He just expands it to Isaac. He says, not only am I gonna make your your name great, not only am I gonna bless you with offering, he says, I'm gonna make you as, as numerous as the stars in the sky. He says, don't forget the promise that I made to Abraham and don't forget that I'm faithful Interestingly, if you look at verse five here in Genesis 26, why does it say God will be faithful to Isaac? Verse five, because Abraham listened to me and kept my mandate, my commands, my statutes, and my instructions. God says, Isaac, I'm gonna keep my promise to you. I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna bless your family. I'm gonna bless the world through you. Why? because of Abraham's obedience. Does that sound strange to you? 
Now God says, here's how, here's why I'm gonna be faithful. Here's why I'm gonna bless you because of Abraham's obedience. What God is telling Isaac is this. God says, my faithfulness does not depend on you. God says, my faithfulness is not about you. Now, we have to be careful when we say statements like that, don't we? Because it's really easy to then take that and go, okay, God's gonna be faithful no matter what I do. So I can do whatever I want and God's gonna be faithful and everything's gonna work out well for me, right? No, that's not what that means. There are occasionally, very rarely, only a, a, a minuscule amount of times that I will ask my children to do something and they will ignore me. I mean, it almost never happens. Almost never. But it does on, on, a, on a rare occasion. It does happen that, that I'll ask them to do something. They won't do it. When that happens, there are consequences, right? There have to be consequences for not listening, for not obeying. But when there are consequences, do you think I go, hey, you guys didn't listen. I'm not feeding you this week. You guys didn't listen. You're going to have to sleep outside tonight. You don't get to enjoy the, the, the roof over our heads or the heat from the house. No, nobody thinks that's the way I discipline my children. No. There are consequences for rebellion, but I'm still going to provide what they need. I'm still going to take care of them. Why? Not because they're perfect children. They're pretty close, but not because they're perfect children. I'm going to take care of them because they're my children and I love them. I'm going to faithfully provide for them. There'll be consequences. Right? There are always consequences for our sin, for our rebellion. But even, even with the Lord, our fallen nature does not negate God's faithfulness. It doesn't negate his faithfulness to his promises, to his children for his purposes. For you and me, that means even though we are far from perfect, God still loves us, still takes care for us, still faithfully provides for us. And that means that no matter where you're at in your life, God will never turn away from you. In Deuteronomy 31, verse 6, Moses is commissioning Joshua to take over the people of Israel. And the Lord speaks through Moses and says, be strong and be courageous. Don't be terrified or afraid of the nations around you. For the Lord your God is the one who will go with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. And we get this promise repeated throughout scripture that God will not leave us or abandon us. He will not forsake us. He will not turn away from us. It means that no matter where we're at in life, God will always deliver what we need. Philippians 4, verse 19, and Paul writes, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. It's such a great verse where God says, listen, I will supply all of your what? Once? Desires, things you think you need. No, God says, I will supply all of your needs 
Not according to your desires, your wants, the people around you, what your neighbor has, what you think you deserve, but according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God knows what you need way better than you and I know what we need. And he promises that he will faithfully provide what we need. It means that God will never turn away from us, that he will deliver what we need. It means that God will always love and restore you. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all Never miss that word, all unrighteousness. You know what's covered under all unrighteousness? Everything. See, if we are willing to seek the Lord, if we will turn to him, he's there to faithfully provide. Again, not what we want. It's not a matter of what we want. But he will provide because he is faithful not because we deserve it, not because we've earned it, not because we're good enough for it, but because he is faithful. And none of this depends on our perfect obedience. Because if it did, we'd all be in trouble, right? You can amen that. Amen. Thank the good Lord that his faithfulness does not depend on my perfect obedience because I'd be in deep trouble. Again, that's not an excuse for sinful indulgence because God has called us to seek to be holy as he is holy. So it's not an excuse for sin. Instead, it, it, it should be a, a, a vote of confidence for us in our lives. The confidence to live faithfully according to God's will and according to God's plans and according to God's calling in our lives. Because what he has set in motion, what he has called you to, what he has called you into, the ways he has called you to love and serve those around you, he's going to provide everything you need for that mission. And you're going to fail along the way because you and I will have a tendency to want to just kind of lean back on ourselves and go, yeah, I can do this. I can handle this. I can do that. And God says, no, no, no. It's not about you being able to. It's about me, the faithful provider, giving you what you need. Some of us, maybe some of you sitting here today, hear that and you're like, that's great. That's nice. That sounds well and good. But at the same time, you're sitting here feeling beyond repair, feeling wholly inadequate for Christ's love, for his forgiveness. And again, what God tells us here is, you know what, you're right. You're right. By your own strength, you're beyond repair. You don't deserve God's love, his forgiveness. You're not good enough for the things that he has called you to. You're right. But none of it depends on you. None of it is about your goodness, your ability It's about God's faithfulness. It's about his command for us every single day 
to repent of our sin, turn away from our sin, turn back to him, to rise up and to run after Jesus, celebrating God's faithful provision every step of the way. Listen, is our joy in God's provision magnified in our lives by his faithfulness, regardless of our success or our failure, our goodness or our wretchedness? In spite of everything we are, does every step of our lives bring us to the place to see God's faithful provision and just celebrate God's faithful provision gives us the strength and the courage and the confidence to continue to move forward, to keep moving forward in our journey of faith. But sooner or later, along that journey, we're going to counter danger in the country in which God has sent us. And it's in these moments that God gives us the second reminder We are reminded of God's sovereign protection. We're reminded of God's sovereign protection. Verses 6 through 11 here give us a a story of, of where Isaac goes. But before we talk about these verses, we have to step back. Okay, We have to look back in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 20. Because we're going to see so many parallels here. And I I don't want you to miss the fact that these are not just, it randomly seems to be the same. No, no, no. There there is a a, a parallel that God is giving us. In this chapter, we we get a famine, right? That drives Abraham to Gerar. Any of this sound familiar yet? This famine drives Abraham to Gerar. Gerar. And as he goes and he finds himself in this foreign land, as a foreigner in this place, he becomes fearful. He worries, fears for his life, and he claims that his wife, Sarah, is actually his sister, which is a half-truth, because she is his half-sister. But he says, no, no, this is, this is my sister. And Abimelech, the king, takes Sarah for his own wife, because she's beautiful, Unfortunately, God intervenes and he comes to Abimelech and he says, whoa, 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 this, this is not going to be good for you. Stop, give Sarah back to Abraham because she is his wife. Okay, now let's look at Genesis 26, verse 6 through 11. <clears throat> it starts here, it says, so Isaac settled in Gerar. When the men of that place asked about his wife, he said, she is my sister. For he was afraid to say, my wife, thinking the men of this place will kill me on account of Rebekah, for she is a beautiful woman. When Isaac had been there for some time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked down from the window and was surprised to see Isaac caressing his wife, Rebekah. Abimelech sent for Isaac and said, so she is really your wife. How could you say she is my sister? Isaac answered him, because I thought I might die on account of her. Then Abimelech said, what is this you have done to us? One of the people could have easily slept with your wife and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech warned all the people, whoever harms this man or his wife will certainly be put to death. 
All right, so Isaac settles in Gerar. He's afraid, calls his wife his sister, and God intervenes. <laughs> in, in the intervention with, with Abraham, God, God directly intervened. Right? He stepped in and says, has, it comes in this vision. This time, he, he simply directs Abimelech's gaze out the window at the right time. And Abimelech sees Isaac and Rebekah. And, and the, the Hebrew word used here is, is mocking. The literal word is, is mocking. Right? So basically, he sees Isaac playfully engaging with Rebekah in a way that makes it obvious that she is not his sister. And so Abimelech calls out Isaac for his lie and for the potential danger that he brought upon the people. Again, Abimelech's previous interaction with Abraham teaches him the danger of the situation at hand. Again, if we go back to Genesis 20, verse three, as Abimelech has taken Sarah as his wife, it says, but God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, you are about to die because of the woman you have taken for she is a married woman. And then in verse six and seven, it says, then God said to him in a dream, yes, I know you did this with a clear conscience. Because right? Abimelech's answer is, whoa, 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 I didn't know. Abraham lied to me. God goes, I know. I know. You've done this with a clear conscience. I've also kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I have not let you touch her. Now return the man's wife, for he is a prophet. He will pray for you and you will live. But if you do not return her, know that you will certainly die. You and all who are yours. Abimelech's had an interaction with Abraham and with Abraham's God. He knows the seriousness of this offense. This is why he calls Isaac and goes, whoa, 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 she's really, she's really your wife. Like, why have you done this to us? You could have killed us all. And so instead he offers this kingly decree that protects Isaac and protects his family. God intervenes in this unlikely situation in an unlikely way to provide this unlikely protection over Isaac and his family. See, in the face of the famine that came, Isaac faithfully obeyed the Lord and God faithfully provided for him. But here, in the face, not of a natural disaster of a famine, but in the face of the fear of mankind, the fear of the people around him, the fear of what other people might be able to do to him, Isaac's fear overwhelms him and draws him into sin. And yet, God still offers protection. Isaac is in the wrong in this story, every step of the way. And yet God still protects him. Again, what have we already talked about? Is it because Isaac's such a good guy? No. Is it because Isaac had obeyed God when the famine came? No. It's because God is faithful to his promises 
and he's gonna protect Isaac and protect his promise and show his faithfulness to Isaac and to the generations that follow and to you and me. God sustains his promise to Abraham by protecting Isaac. We, by faith in Jesus Christ, by the declaration that he is the one and only Savior, we know that we are adopted by God into his family. And we live under some incredible promises of God's faithfulness. And yes, we know that God always delivers on his promises. We know that God faithfully provides in his promises. And yes, we know that Jesus' victory secures our eternity once and for all, not just over the trials and the struggles of this life, but through all of eternity. Yes, we know all of that. But even so, it can be really easy to be overwhelmed with the fear in our fleshly nature, can it? It can be so easy to lose sight of God's faithful provision of his sovereign protection and let that fear of what we see right in front of us overwhelm us. And we become overwhelmed. We become overwhelmed by, by the fear of financial constraints in the year ahead, by rebellious children, by family upheaval, by job insecurity, by the nightmares of the nightly news, by the opinions of our neighbors and friends who despise us because they despise Christ. It's easy to be overwhelmed by any and every struggle that this world will throw at us, right? The list could go on and on and on and on. And it's easy when that fear comes at us to forget the hope, the provision, and the protection that rests not on our abilities, but on the sovereign protection of God's hands. Psalm 34, verse 17 reminds us that the righteous cry out and the Lord hears and rescues them from all their trouble. That's not about the words that are cried out. It's about the faithfulness of the God who rescues. And so we remember that there is no weapon in this world that can stand against the promises and the purposes of our God. There's no power of mankind. There's no opinion of anyone else. There's no level of success or failure in this world that can stand against what God has provided knowing that what he provides, he will protect. And what he plans, he will fulfill. In Isaiah verse, uh, chapter 46, verse nine and 10, God speaks through the prophet and says, remember what happened long ago. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and no one is like me. I declare the end from the beginning 
and from long ago what is not yet done, saying, my plan will take place and I will do my will. The end of verse 11, he continues, yes, I have spoken, so I will also bring it about. I have planned it, I will also do it. What of God's plans? What of God's purposes? What of God's calling? What of God's mission? Is he not going to provide the strength to carry out? Is he not going to protect in the purposes of his will? He speaks to Isaiah and says, listen, whatever I plan, I will do. What I called you to, I am going to grant success. Not, maybe not the success you think success is going to be. But he says, none of this depends on your strength. None of this depends on your ability. None of this depends on your self-righteousness. He says, it's a question of, will you seek me? Will you love me? Will you serve me? Will you follow me and let me do what I'm gonna do in you and through you? And if we are walking that path, he's always providing and he will always protect. Famines are inevitable. The famines of our lives are inevitable. We will all face them. Many of you have faced some incredible famines in your life already. You know what that feels like. We all will encounter seasons and situations of our lives that that push us, that pull us, and that threaten to drive us away from Jesus Christ. And maybe your famine will be like the famine Isaac faced, which is a famine that is a threat to survival. Or maybe your famine will be a season of comfort in your life that breeds a forgetfulness of your own need to depend on the strength of God over your own. Or maybe your famine will be one of any number of other situations that that undermine a trusting obedience in Jesus Christ. Whatever that case may be, when the famine comes, we must fall back on God's grace-filled love and sustenance. We remember that he alone faithfully provides for all our needs and that he alone offers sovereign protection against everything that we fear. That he has given us everything we need in who he is. Because the same power that spoke the heavens and the earth into being, that same strength was born in Bethlehem to a virgin named Mary and walked perfectly through this world, died sacrificially on a cross, rose victoriously leaving an empty tomb, redeems us from our sin, from our brokenness, from our failures, from our struggles. And sits at the right hand of the throne as our advocate, as our priest, the one who when we stand in judgment, looks at us and says, we don't, get, we don't have to look at what they've done. 
Look at what I've done. Because this is my child. Jesus Christ didn't go through all of that. So he could say, hey, why don't you go try to do something over there? Good luck. Hope you're strong enough. Hope you're good enough. Hope you got this down. No. He has purpose. And he has called us to know him, to love him, and serve him for the purposes of his glory. And he will provide every step of the way. He will protect us in those moments of fear. Church family, may we remember well the goodness and the mercy and the love of our God bestowed upon us by the body and blood of the only Savior, Jesus Christ, through the filling of his, and the work of his Holy Spirit in us and through us. And as we remember God's provision and God's protection, let us be strengthened for the season of famine in our own lives. Remembering that we are not strong enough to endure, but rejoicing that we serve the God who will always bring us through. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your love, your grace, for your mercy. We thank you for the redemption we have in Jesus Christ. We thank you for the strength and the power of your Holy Spirit. And we thank you for the reminder that when we follow your calling, that success or failure does not rest on our shoulders. Yeah, we, we recognize there will be times we feel like we have succeeded. There will be times we feel like we have failed. But God, we don't get to define those terms. You do. And we thank you that what you have called us to, you have already provided what we need. And that when the fear comes that, that pushes us to back off, you are the God who will protect so we have no need to fear. Not because of who we are, but because of who you are. Because of the fact that we are your children. That we have been bought, redeemed by the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And so Lord, we, we thank you for that blessing, that gift. And we pray now that as we prepare for whatever you have in store for us in the, the days, the weeks, the months, the years ahead. We pray that you would continually remind us and let us hold fast to the truth that you are our good, perfect, loving Father who provides everything we need and protects in every way. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. In your great and awesome name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about Erie Evangelical Free Church or our ministries, please visit www.eriefree.com or join us in person at 1409 16th Avenue, Erie, Illinois.